This is Pastor to Pastor, a podcast of InnoBTS and Level College. Pastor to Pastor is here to help you lay a biblical foundation for your ministry. Hello and welcome again this semester to our Pastor to Pastor podcast. I'm Adam Hughes and I'm here uh, after a summer break with my good friend and colleague, Charlie Ray. Charlie, how are you doing and have you had a good summer? It's been good. It's been busy, but I'm looking forward to the semester getting back started and getting back into the classroom. So, Absolutely. Getting back in the classroom, getting to uh, interact with our students and certainly to get to talk to our students and pastors alike with these topics that you and I think are very vital from a theological perspective, from a biblical perspective of of pastoring and pastoring faithfully. And certainly that's what we want to do, and and we want to do that again this semester. So just to remind everyone, really what we've been doing is is since we work here at the seminary and and just since it's a nice break, we've been following in some ways the – the semester patterns to talk about different topics. And so this topic as we begin today, or this, uh, this semester as we begin today, we want to start a new topic. And what we want to look at is one, as all of them are, that's very vital to pastoral ministry and, and just the church in general. And specifically this semester, we want to focus in on, on what you and I are calling, what is the gospel? Uh, jumping ahead here a little bit, but certainly we'll also ultimately get into this, what is the gospel? Why do we proclaim it, and how do we proclaim it? But specifically, just to remind everyone of our, of our practice that we've been going through with every one of these podcasts, we really like to begin with some passages or biblical content, if I can call it that, biblical content and some specific passages that we do exegesis of or at least pull principles of that say, we say relates, applies to this topic. And then from there, after we do several of those and, and we feel like we've gotten the meat out of that, we move to what you and I have been calling the theology of the topic, where we basically bring all of these things that we've, that we've gleaned from these passages together and say, okay, here's some major truths about that topic. And then from there, we, we try to move to some practical application. Why does this matter? How does this matter? What and how might you be faced with this topic or, or this area in your ministry? And so that's what we want to follow again this semester over the next several weeks as we talk about what is the gospel. So, Charlie, today what we want to do is, as we follow that pattern, we want to look at biblical content. And what we want to start with is some some Old Testament content as we think about the gospel. That might seem like a strange place to start to some people. And and certainly we're not saying this full-blown gospel that we understand and the way we see it explicitly in the New Testament is exactly played out that way in the Old Testament. We don't want to upset any of our Old Testament brethren, certainly that you work with in your department here at the seminary. But what we are saying, I believe, is that there's gospel language in the Old Testament. Yeah, a lot of times you think if we're, okay, we're going to talk about the gospel, we should start with the gospels, right? Maybe Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. And uh, certainly we want to we want to get to that. But there is this language, if you think about even the word gospel, um, in, in the Greek of the New Testament, it's kind of comes from these words that mean good news, essentially. You have a prefix that means good and a word that means message or news. And so we actually find this language in the Old Testament. 
one of the other things to understand about this gospel or good news language is, in some senses, it could be used to refer to things that are not the gospel, right? Just an announcement of good news. So even in the Old Testament, uh, the Philistines in, in 1 Samuel 31 are spreading what to them was good news, and the good news was that Saul and his sons were dead, right? They'd won the battle, and so that's a proclamation of good news. And so we see numerous times this good news language being referred to a victory in battle or something along those lines. Even uh, when Absalom dies, uh, there's a messenger who wants to run to David and tell him what he thinks is the good news, that Absalom's dead. Of course, David doesn't receive that as good news. His son's been killed. Um, and, and so again, you know, we see this in, in reference to battle and victory in battles and different things like that. But then also, especially in Isaiah, we see some very specific good news language that comes out of Isaiah. You think about uh, passages in Isaiah, like Isaiah 49, uh, which says, Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Uh, Just this call to proclaim the good news that ultimately ends with, Behold your God. And then later on, Isaiah and Isaiah 52, 7 would say, your God reigns, and, and he's just this proclamation of the rule and reign of God is, is, is built up in this good news language of the Old Testament. So, so one of the things I think that I would say about this gospel language in the Old Testament is that while it can just be used fairly generically, that if you read the Old Testament as a whole, and especially look into uh, the, 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 the message and proclamation of Isaiah, the Old Testament leaves us longing for some type of good news. It leaves us longing for some good message uh, that deals with this people who've been sent away into exile and then come back, but things aren't the way they're supposed to be. It leaves us longing uh, for something more. I think. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. There was two things that I was thinking as you were you were saying that. I, I don't want to go too far with this, but number one, like you said, well, first of all, I, I think I would back up and say this. Um, I, you make a good point that maybe isn't the message of this podcast, and I'm not the biblical studies guy, but I think this is very important as you think about pastoring in general and exegesis and, and homiletics and proclamation. I think sometimes we think we look at the Hebrew of the Old Testament, we look at Greek in the New Testament, and we think that somehow like these are heavenly languages, like that this is sanctified language. And in some ways that is true because it's language that God's using in a very specific way. But in the other sense, you have to understand it's just the common language of the day that was used, and then those that were the covenant people of God used it. And, and so when you think about gospel language, when you think about language of the church, most of the time, those were terms that were common to the people of the time, and those that know the Lord are, are, for lack of a better word, redeeming it or contextualizing it and using it in a specific way. So when we say there's gospel language in the Old Testament, what you're saying is, look, there's these terms that came to be related very close to the gospel, that there is a more general use of it, but that general use also amongst the people of God did lead to a very specific use. So I think, I think just in general, when we think about the biblical languages, I think it's important to think about that. There are very few terms, I think, that we think of today that are churchy language that when they were used, that weren't also used in society and the general, general public for different things, that then become very specific to the people of God. Yeah, yeah. And so even this you know, term of announcing this good news, referring to uh, the birth of a royal child or something along those lines. And so, you know, when, when, when people hear this concept of good news, we, of course, want to understand that this is sort of the ultimate good news, right? And, and this is what the Old Testament was longing for. Um, but, but there's other uses of these terms throughout, throughout the Old Testament um, in particular. 
And that's what I was going to say, I, but I think where that goes to is that there is a sense in which the, the people of God and people in general, I, and, I, and I, let me back up, just people in general, it's innate in us to look for good news. Mm-hmm. And I think our soul does long for the ultimate good news, which is what's so, I think, interesting about this term being used that then, like you said, uh, begins to have a very specific specific reference to, to what God does amongst his people that the Old Testament leads us longing for. Yeah, a lot of times it's interesting today that bad news sells in a sense, right? You know, there's more bad news on the news than there is good news. But I do think we all have that longing for uh, something for something better. And you even see in the Gospels then, and like Mark, for example, he would just say, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So I, I want us to think about a couple of New Testament passages that point back to the Old Testament, which will help us, I think, understand the significance of this gospel language in the Old Testament. We're going to get into really each of these passages more in the coming weeks, but just think about some of this language in the New Testament that points back to the Old Testament. So in Galatians 3, for example, uh, Paul could say that the, the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, proclaim the good news in advance to Abraham and you all the nations will be blessed, which is an interesting statement, right? Because it's literally this... Uh, you add on another preposition to the word that means beforehand, which means that with this claim that in Abraham all the nations of the, the, the world will be blessed is sort of a pre-proclamation of the gospel. Or even Romans chapter 1, which we'll look at more later, uh, Paul is, is saying that he's set apart for the gospel, and then he gives a couple of phrases which sort of uh, describe some of that gospel. He says, which he promised previously through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures, Right, So the gospel was promised in the prophets, and it's concerning his son who was born a descendant of David according to the flesh. So in other words, the, the, this idea of Jesus being a descendant of David is even an important part of the proclamation of the gospel. And then 1 Corinthians 15, which is one of the favorite passages to people to go to to talk about the gospel is because it talks about how you know, Paul proclaimed to them, you know, essentially the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But over and over again, he says that this was according to the Scriptures. So all these New Testament passages that, that talk about what the gospel is and, um, you know, how, how the gospel even functions with, with Gentiles being justified through the gospel, they all tend to point back to the Old Testament in order to help us understand the gospel and its implications. You know, something else that I see as I was looking at all these passages, and you were referring to them, Galatians 3, Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 15, and I know we'll get into this a little bit later, but I think even the New Testament writers referring back to the language of the Old Testament, something is, is, is really interesting here, and it's not always explicit, but it's implied in all three of these passages, and it's this. This good news that was talked about and longed for as a result of the Old Testament uh, even even as these these writers are referring back to the Old Testament, they see the gospel even from the Old Testament is something that must be proclaimed, mm-hmm. something that must be spoken. I mean, uh, Galatians three specifically says it: all Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, proclaimed the good news in advance to Abraham. And then in Romans one, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart, which he promised previously through the prophets and the Holy Scripture. Again, it's not as explicit, but it's certainly implied that it's a message that is spoken by the prophets. And then even 1 Corinthians 15, Paul here says, which he proclaimed 
to you. And so each one of these passages, even in referencing back to what was made known in the Old Testament, seems to be it's not something that just is innate or implied or assumed. Even that which is built on the Old Testament seems to be this this understanding that the gospel, the good news, is something that must be spoken, must be told. Yeah, I think that's certainly true. One of the other things that stands out to me in looking at these passages of Scripture is that the Old Testament, uh, the, the Old Testament properly understood, uh, shows us, you know, Christ. Right, Le- leads to understanding uh, Christ and the gospel message. You can see that. Um, you know, even in Jesus's controversies with the religious leaders uh, in the New Testament, where he basically tells them, "If you knew my Father, you would believe in me." Um, where he'll even kind of criticize them. You guys don't understand the Scriptures or yeah. the power of God is one of the statements that he makes to the religious leaders at one point. And so it's interesting that um, one of the things I think we have to understand is to rightly understand the Old Testament is to believe in Jesus and to right. believe that he is the Messiah, the promised one, the one that comes to fulfill all of the Old Testament. And so the tricky part about that is uh, obviously not everybody sees that. You see that even in Jesus's public ministry, so many people didn't believe in him. And it was only after the resurrection that they fully believed, um, even the disciples in a sense, I think, where they really understood uh, some things. There's some statements about that in the Gospels that Jesus will say things and then like, John will tell us, for example, well, they didn't understand that until after, you know, after the crucifixion and the resurrection. So I think that, again, a lot of this is just showing us that we can't disconnect the gospel from the Old Testament as though it doesn't matter. Uh, but the Old Testament, rightly understood, helps us to understand the gospel um, and the significance of, of all that Christ did. Let me, I don't want to get us off track here, um, I, but I have a, a gift of doing that, as we've seen in our almost year now or year plus of doing this. It's just interesting to me also when we think about gospel language or language in the Old Testament that we understand to, to, in its application, New Testament, to be talking about the good news, the gospel. There's also, I believe, language in the Old Testament that implies what Christ through the gospel will do. Mm-hmm. Buy back, redeem, purchase, Save. You, you also see these terms used. I, I think, and, and again, I don't, I don't want to make a, a bad application of language here, but I even think about, uh, you know, deliver. I, I think about even Hosea with Gomer mm-hmm. and this picture of what, what uh, the Lord does with his people and their unfaithfulness is what home, Hosea does with Gomer and her unfaithfulness, and it's this idea of right redeeming her, buying her back. And so... I just, all that to say, I think the Old Testament is rich with language that perhaps, maybe to the original author, maybe to the original audience, then did not have a direct application to what's ultimately going to be accomplished in the gospel. But certainly as we rightly understand it now, it does. Yeah. Well, I think it illustrates what we see in the gospel, and we see that God is consistent all throughout history, right? So in other words, there's patterns that are fulfilled in Christ. But I think one of the implications of that, too, is, um, you know, you ask the question, why does this matter? Um, I think one of the things we struggle with in gospel presentation sometimes, we think that, you know, if we present the gospel to people and we say, you know, Christ died for your sins and he was raised from the dead and, you know, something along those lines, so believe in this, 
I think one of the things we take for granted is a lot of that doesn't make sense without a lot of the, the grounding that we find in the Old Testament. Just, just to give you one example, if God didn't create everything, then why the necessity to believe in Jesus, right? If, if God isn't the creator of all, if he doesn't have authority over my life, if he isn't uh, sovereign over this world that he's made, then why does any of this stuff matter? And so I think sometimes in our gospel proclamations, we obviously want to focus on Christ and, and we want to see Christ as the fulfillment of all of this. But I think sometimes when we proclaim the gospel to people, we need to go back to the Old Testament and set the stage. Even the concept of sacrifice, you just go up to somebody today and tell them, you know, Jesus died for your sins. What in the world are you talking about, and why does that matter, and why should I care, and why do I need a sacrifice? Yeah, that's a strange claim to make to a secular person In today. the 21st century. Yeah, yeah, so the question immediately then becomes, well, okay, what's that all about? And so you have to understand this concept of atoning sacrifice, the sacrifices that were made in the Old Testament, all of these different things to, to help us understand the significance of Jesus. And I think... There is a tendency today to sort of jettison a lot of that and go straight to Jesus and, and not set it in its context that we find in the Old Testament. A couple of very specific examples that come to mind of this, I think you're exactly right, Charlie. Uh, I, and I've heard people say, and, and hear me, I know what people mean by this. It's like, okay, if there was only one book you could give a, a lost person to read, you're not going to give them uh, Leviticus or, or, or Deuteronomy you're going to give them the gospel of John. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. Of course, my response to that is, well, I'm glad that God doesn't make us choose. He gives us all 66. <laughs> but my, my, my thing with that is based on what you just said. Okay, let's say I'm just going to give somebody the book of John and say, read this. I, okay, maybe on a surface level, they could be, someone that's from the secular culture could make sense of the story of that a little bit more than just picking up Leviticus and reading it can make sense of it. But I'm even going to say, if you don't have the foundation of the Old Testament uh, and what God meant when he said in uh, Exodus, I am, and how that was linked to his ability and decision to redeem his people, yeah. then when Jesus makes in John's gospel these I am statements, I don't know that that fully makes sense to someone either. Does that make sense? What yeah. I, I don't understand. I don't know that the gospel of John makes sense at the level it needs to and what Jesus is actually claiming there without that. The other thing I would say is I often think about the book of Hebrews. Yeah. I mean, you just look at the book of Hebrews. Yeah. Does the book of Hebrews make sense without the, yeah. the foundation of the Old Testament priesthood and sacrificial system? The and once all, for all sacrifice. Yeah, all of those things. And so I know what we mean when we say that, but this is to just go back to your point. What we understand as the good news fulfilled in Jesus Christ all the way through the New Testament is profoundly founded. Yeah on what we read about, what was proclaimed beforehand, if I can use the language we've looked at in the Old Testament. Yeah. One of the reasons, so if we step back for a second and say why in a podcast that we're intending for pastors are we um, spending a, an entire semester on what is the gospel, right? Because you, you would look at that and say, well, if you're a pastor, surely you know what the gospel is, and you know we, we don't need to belabor this point. One of the things that happened... Uh, well, it, I don't think this is just a pet peeve, but I remember a particular emphasis in, in, in some of my time in pastoral ministry that came from some in places outside of our church that are encouraging you to pick up on different you know, gospel presentations and things like that. I remember that, that there was this big emphasis on you might not be able to proclaim the gospel, but you can tell your story. 
right? And so, you know, you begin to think about that, and you're like, wait a second. A, if we've got all these church members who can't proclaim the gospel, like, that's kind of a problem, first of all. But then second of all, you know, our stories can be useful in, 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 in witnessing to people, but there's no power in my They're story not to save, the gospel. right? Exactly, right. So you take that kind of attitude, and then you take— um, yeah, you take these claims of, of, well, I don't understand the Old Testament, or, or here's the reality. How many of our church members can walk through Genesis to Revelation and just explain to people the story of the Bible and how all of this fits together and culminates in Christ? And so one of the reasons I think for us to focus on this is um, for pastors, this is a discipleship issue, right? That part of what we're supposed to be doing is discipling our people in the gospel so that they can do this. Uh, so that they can go and, and walk people through the story of Scripture so that they might believe in Christ. And so, um, yeah, w- one of the conversations you and I have had is, okay, what topic do we go to next? And it feels like we go from what is a pastor and what is preaching, we're going backwards, right, to what is the gospel. But it really is a foundational issue, and I think we just, one of the things we want to do is to remind pastors that, listen, you know, we have to be discipling people in the gospel and teaching them all of these things so that they can go and proclaim uh, the gospel to others as well. Yeah, I I was just thinking, and and I know we need to wrap up here, but what you were saying is is so helpful. I think sometimes when we think about, we're going to talk about what is the gospel and why do we need to proclaim it how, and I'm jumping way ahead maybe to the end of this semester when we'll deal with practical things, but the gospel, when we talk about the gospel and proclaim the gospel, people's minds immediately go to just evangelism. Yeah. And is it necessary for evangelism? Absolutely, it's necessary for evangelism. But what you were just saying, it's also necessary to proclaim the gospel to believers as well mm-hmm. and for believers to have the gospel proclaimed to them and for for believers to be discipled and founded in the gospel mm-hmm. for all those reasons you just said. So, so I thought that was worth just explicitly pointing out at this point as we think about this. So, Charlie, I, I really appreciate you today leading us through this beginning place of what what is the gospel and and is there is there some type of foundation for the gospel even in the old testament mm-hmm. that the new testament picks up on and i think we clearly do see that clearly in the old testament clearly in the the old testament content there is there is there's gospel material mm-hmm. if i could say it that way and so anything else that you would want to add before we, we wrap up today? Well, one of the things we said in what is preaching is, is the need to preach from the Old Testament, right? But I think we see, again, just highlighting that importance here because our people need to understand Deuteronomy and Exodus and the sacrificial system and all of these different sorts of things. They need to have good grounding in that uh, so that they can faithfully proclaim the gospel and Christ as the you know, once-for-all sacrifice. They need to understand why that matters in Hebrews so that they can proclaim the, the glories of Christ. So I think as we look at this idea of the gospel in the Old Testament, hopefully it's just helpful uh, to sort of set the stage for some of the New Testament passages we'll look at in the next couple of weeks. I think that's a good segue for us to wrap up today. Uh, we will, and we look forward to jumping into some other passages from the New Testament in the weeks ahead. So as always, again, I'm Adam Hughes, and this has been Adam Hughes with Charlie Ray, and we thank all of our listeners, our students and, and pastors for joining us. We we hope this has been helpful. We hope this whets your appetite, and we We look forward to continuing on this semester. Have a great week, and we look forward to being with you again next time. Thanks for listening. For more resources on pastoral ministry, 
visit us at faithfulpastor.com. And to learn more about training to become a pastor, visit us at nobts.edu.